All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have an amazing Passive Cash Flow podcast episode number 27 today. We have a special guest, Dr. Gordon Chu. Our guest today is an extraordinary individual, a scientist, a teacher, a tutor, an inventor, an author, and real estate owner, Dr. Gordon Chu. So Dr. Chu has done extensive work on the subject of viruses over the last decade, and his knowledge and guidance can help save lives. Dr. Chu actively tutors in biology, chemistry, physics, math, ACT, and SAT. Uh, Gordon was born in New York and grew up in northern New Jersey. Uh, He graduated from Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, summa cum laude, in chemistry. For his master's in chemistry, while working full-time at Merck, he traded opportunity for a multi-year program at Columbia University for a three-year semester program at Seton Hall University. He didn't have to pay the bridge tolls or get stuck in traffic. None of this mattered after he got a full-time scholarship from the National Institute of Health for MD-PhD program. He focused on dermatology research. Four years later, Gordon got another two scholarships and formally completed a doctoral degree in in natural medicine and doctorate in business. Uh, Right after school, Gordon was chosen as doctor for numerous skincare brands, including representing Demi Moore's uh, skincare event in Asia. Uh, Today, Gordon has a young family, a wife and two daughters under the age of five. Gordon is a prolific inventor with over 31 patents filed during his tenure in the corporate world. Ultimately, though, he decided to ditch the trappings of corporate America in order to spend more time teaching and motivating youth to discover passions and pursue them with the same kinds of successes he had, an experience he finds more rewarding, dynamic, and even at times more challenging than figuring out the material science, chemical, and medical applications of graphene. He has over 15 years of combined in-depth university school relationships, ranging from Berkeley, Cornell, MIT, and Northwestern to National University of Singapore, NYU, Rutgers, and Waterloo. He has also taught at the EF Academy and Horace Mann. He has been featured in on Princeton TV as a super tutor. So without further ado, this episode is going to be uh, a bro- this entire podcast is going to be broken into three episodes, and this is the first part where we're going to focus on uh, three of the best books uh, Dr. Gordon Chu has suggested us to read. We're going to talk about the H1N1 versus the coronavirus and tips to safety and to uh, help uh, flatten that curve. So let's listen in. This is an amazing uh, podcast episode here on uh, number 27 of the Passive Cash Flow podcast, and this is part one of our interview with Dr. Gordon Chu. Dr. Gordon Chu, thanks for coming on. Aaron, I'm glad to be on the show. I'm glad to be of help. I worked on the H1N1 virus in 2009. That was the last pandemic that we had of global proportions. And I was on the front lines working on fomite surfaces or fomites, if it's plural. Um, and that's, um, that's how, why and what kind of surfaces transfer viruses. And, um, and that takes a very different type of um, doctor. Uh, it takes a doctor of science as opposed to, you know, seeing patients and things like that, because you have to study the materials. And um, I had given a, uh, a talk uh, on TEDx on uh, new materials, and one of those areas was graphene, um, because it could be electrically conductive to wipe out bacteria. But with COVID-19, well, that's the disease, uh, coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2, that is actually a virus. So what you need is you need to look at materials and really understand how they transfer. So I've been invited on a number of talks to really address why some materials carry the virus longer and others don't. 
But in the future, imagine a future where no materials will carry things. You don't even have to clean them. They're self-cleaning. Self-cleaning materials of the future. That's the type of stuff that I worked on uh, for years as far as investments and things like that and as a scientist. So that's why um, when you look at this particular virus, I don't think it's a big, really big bad one because it has some spikes around it. Um, that's why it's called the corona, the crown. Um, and those spikes can be broken actually so that the DNA, everyone knows what DNA is. So I use DNA, but it's actually a single stranded RNA virus and it transfers through the spikes right into your lungs. Um, and that's what makes you sick. So what you wanna do is if you're gonna clean your hands, clean the surfaces, you wanna clean it with pH 10 soap because the soap when it's high pH alkaline, it actually um, can break the spikes and it prevents the transfer. Now, if you just use soap and you do two happy birthday songs, which is 20 seconds, what that will do um, is it will emulsify the coronavirus and that's nice, but it doesn't break the spikes. So emulsification takes 20 seconds because you want to make sure that everything is covered on your hands and you're removing it. Right. And then it's clean, 20 seconds, and it's all in. It's kind of like a, a film of oil on top of the water, and you want it to go in, kind of like milk. Well, if you use pH 10 soap, though, which is not only cheaper, mm -hmm. but it also breaks the spikes. So pH 10 soap could be like, and I'll name a couple of brands, but brands have to be careful because you don't know if they change anything in the manufacturing, it's still called the same brand. But typically, it's going to be bar soaps that are pH 10. Now, another thing that you can do to be, to be careful about uh, how, to, how to prevent things is, of course, wearing the mask right. and making sure that you're not going to um, get anything on you. But then after you wear the mask, you tend to forget what's an invisible enemy anyway. Invisible enemy is something that you can't see. So I'm wearing gloves right now. I'm putting them on so that I can kind of talk to you guys about this. And it takes a little bit of time to put on the gloves properly. And the invisible enemy needs to be labeled. Kind of like if you were being chased by an invisible enemy, you want to throw some dust everywhere. <laughs> Glitter, right? Glitter so you can know where, where they're shining and sure, you can sure. kind of prevent yourself from, from running into them. I've seen the movies. Yeah, sure. Yeah, they, they use that in the movies. So yeah, yeah. nothing new, right? Mm -hmm. So I've just worn a pair of gloves. Okay. Uh, my gloves, um, I've done this in China, I've done this in Hong Kong, and I've done this in many Asian countries. That's why you see the word virus mm -hmm. on these things. So this, mm -hmm. this is virus, right? So basically kind of like that. And, but you also see that there's a V-I-R-U-S, right? Virus. And if I turn my hands around facing me, right? I, I see this side. Mm -hmm. um, I also see the, see the word virus. And guess what? When I look at my pair of gloves, what's going to happen? If I want to like touch my face or I want to touch somebody, <laughs> it says virus on it, right? Yeah. So you are going to avoid and be reminded constantly that there's a virus on here possibly. Right, right. Right. And then you're not going to touch someone with this. That's the mean, nasty thing to do. And you won't touch your face with this. So you're going to be careful. So when you're going to take off these pair of gloves, what you're going to do is you're going to first take this pair that might have the virus and you're not going to go reach in from the, uh, the, the, the bottom here. That would touch their hands. You're contaminated. What you're going to do is you're going to grab the fingers, right? The fingers oh. and you're going to loosen this like this, right? And then you're going to pull this off like that in one shot. And you haven't touched the outside. You're going to take a clean pair of hands and you're going to rub your face because you might have an itch or something. We, we, human beings touch our faces 3,000 times a day. Sure. 
All right, so now we have the pair of gloves. I'm still holding it. And you can see that what I'm gonna do is on the underneath side, I'm gonna go and grab this end here and I'm gonna pull it like this, right? See that? Uh -huh. And I've oh, now wow. wrapped the pair of gloves inside the pair of gloves. So the outside is actually inside the gloves. Mm -hmm. See that? And I can nice. throw that away and I'm, and I'm finished, right? So that's yeah. how you would take care of a pair of gloves properly, right? I gotta say, Dr. Gordon Shu, I don't know how many people are really gonna follow those directions. I mean, that's great for a scientist or a doctor, mm -hmm. someone in the healthcare industry. But as you were doing that, I was thinking to myself, I am just the worst with these gloves and these masks. And you know, I, I try my best to wear the mask when I go out and wear the gloves. But I literally went to the uh, supermarket the other day and I had my gloves on and I found myself reaching in and eating Pringles with the gloves on in the Pringles jar I was eating with my wife. And she was like, why are you reaching and eating Pringles with the gloves on? I'm like, well, I, you know, it gets to a point where if you don't follow the rules properly with the gloves and you're not uh, mind, you know, mindful about it, then there's almost no point of, of wearing them. So what you explained there is great. And I do want to make uh, those changes. The truth is I, I don't know a lot of people who are that uh, smart and careful about um, this virus, you know, and that really goes mm -hmm. into just the, the solution is ultimately some type of uh, cure or at least something to uh, help um, keep the, all the uh, reactions and, you know, all the, the terrible things that, that are caused by this virus to at least, slow them down and, and, and at least uh, stop them in some way. How close do you think we are to some type of cure? I know there's different uh, medicines that people are talking about that work and, and help with, you know, um, with the symptoms. What do you think about that? Do you, do you see us coming up with some type of cure perhaps by the end of summer that, that helps us a lot of the symptoms that people are, are facing? Well, for people like you that mm -hmm. don't label your gloves, and for people like you who want to wait for therapies, right? Mm -hmm. We have to, otherwise people like you're gonna die or get sick. So we have to save you. So that's mm -hmm. why we have to come up with techniques and therapies. But as you know, the societal cost of people getting the infection is going to be higher than the ones who can kind of either stay at home keep social distancing, right? So you're not actually coming in contact with someone who's sick. See, you're fine because you're not sick right now. The moment you turn, and I'll use the word turn because it's been used in vampire movies, right? The moment you turn, you're now one of the infected. And when you're one of the infected, you can infect. Now, the unique thing about the COVID-19, you know, the symptoms, is that it could be symptomless while you infect others. And the societal costs, I mean, I'm gonna ask you, how do you like the societal costs that, uh, so far? Well, it's terrible. I mean, there's a, a societal cost, an economic cost, and I'm worried that as the economy hmm. uh, slows down, there's also a, a cost of life to that. You know, people that lose their, their home and, and lose their healthcare, um, a depression, suicide. So we have to recognize there's cost to life for both solutions here, you know? And I, yes. I also think it's not realistic um, to expect the majority of um, our society to do that careful touch you just did with the gloves. You know, I mean, we're, we're, we're following social distancing that's working. And I, I think- um, Is it, it working? I, I mean, it, the, the curve has been flattened for the most part, right? For those of us who are still alive, it's working. The <laughs> ones who died, it wasn't working, right? Because they, they got it. So 
So with anything, watch me touch my face, right? You know, and then we, we saw you in the video, you touch your nose. So feel free to touch your face. I'll, I'll just keep mentioning that because we tend to touch our faces 3,000 times in an entire 24-hour period. Mm -hmm. So you imagine like how often, some people have said, let's just train everyone not to touch our faces. That's mm -hmm. also impossible, right? Mm -hmm. For many, for most, right? So we have to do within the, the entire period. Now, can we all stay at home for prolonged periods of time? Most people aren't set up to even do that, right? Unless you have an online business, right? And sure. if you have an online business, but your online customers are financially not able to buy online because they can't financially pay things, then right. you have another issue, right? So what you're identifying is that some people, it's almost like a bell curve. Some people will get A's because they do all their homework and they study on their own. And some people will get B's, but if we can help the B kids or the C kids uh, with private tutoring or things, then we can get to A's, but there's a cost to that because perhaps they weren't able to get to that or if we advance people to certain levels. So everything has a cost. There's a risk and reward in business, in real estate, and we talked about, um, as well as in life. In anything, there's a risk reward. And are you in the riskful or not riskful? Let's say we didn't have social distancing. Let's go the full range of what some countries had planned to do initially, was to let everybody get infected. Mm -hmm. And then the ones who survived would be fine. I think herd, you remember herd immunity, right? Herd yeah, immunity. herd immunity. That's what we did in 1918. That was mm -hmm. a, such a great idea in 1918. It was so great that we actually did it. But if we did that in 2020, it would wipe out a huge amount of population. It would cause right. societal ills because right. everybody who gets sick becomes a vector that can spread it to other people. Mm -hmm. And that's what I meant by getting by turning. So imagine mm -hmm. if someone turned within the nursing home. Mm. What's going to happen to other, the other people? That happened in Washington, right? That was one of the yes. initial outbreaks, sure. And what would happen if somebody turned um, inside of a prison? That, that's happening, right? You hear those stories, right? Yeah, so who mm -hmm. brought it to the inmates? I thought the inmates are inside. So maybe <laughs> the prison guards, right? Maybe sure. somebody else. Who brought this into them? They're, they're not supposed to, they're already in social distancing. They're inside. As long as nobody goes in who's infected. So clearly this thing is elusive. It's evasive because we can't just base on symptoms. If we had symptoms and we detect fevers, that would be one thing. So now we have to go and wait for the detectors to mm -hmm. ramp up. And hopefully those detectors are 99.99999 and you still have 0 0.00001. So there's always that bar of error. If it's 99, that means it's 1% error, right? So, so it depends on the error and what that cost is. 99% sounds so great, 1% is fine, but if it's 1% of a million, that's still, you know, a million people, 100,000 is 10%, 10, 000, that's still 10,000 infected that we're generating. So it depends sure. on what that number is and how big the mass size is. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. right? I mean, 1% of a billion, right? That's still yeah. 10 million, right? That's a lot of numbers. I mean, there's a lot of things we could discuss about the virus, about, you know, are people going to follow the directions? How long are they stay at home? How long are you going to wash their hands for 20 seconds and, and wear the masks and the gloves? And yes. I think it's going to get to a point, you know, there's some beautiful spring days going on and I, I just cannot sit inside and twiddle my thumbs. You know, I mean, I'm super busy running my business, but, you know, I, I love the outdoors and uh, I'm an individual who just, if the government tells me to like, not go outside 
I really just don't know if I want to live my life that way. I'm not sure where society is going to draw that line, you know, and say, well, you know, are we going to live these depressing lives inside and washing our hands with all these protocols and government controls, which is really scary as well. And, you know, the cops, they can arrest you for walking in the park now. And I guess where's that middle point, you know, that we meet where we, we just, the herd immunity. Well, I'll share with you where I stand. Mm-hmm. Because where I stand, uh, one of the things is I was part of helping Hong Kong get to zero virus. We actually did it. it. Hong Kong is not China. So there's freedom of speech. There are freedoms there. It was under British colonial rule. And they independently, under no force, there wasn't any like arresting or things like that. They brought it down to zero through hygiene and through um, social distancing. So if that were your lowest cost, I'm giving you the, the numbers, it's the lowest cost versus the highest cost would be the weight for the vaccine and having people infected, right? That's mm-hmm. the highest cost. Mm-hmm. And of course, perhaps getting the vaccine and finding out that the virus perhaps mutated and the vaccine doesn't work as well. And some people die and other people have it. it it's different. Now, the other thing you should know, your viewers, is that the virus infects the pneumocyte type two cell inside of the alveolar lungs. And what that means is that inside the alveolar sac, there's, it's like a sack of grapes inside your lungs. Inside, there's two types of cells, type one and type two. Type one is what you use for your carbon dioxide oxygen exchange. That is 95% of your alveolar sac. The other 5% is pneumocyte type two, which produces a surfactant. And what the surfactant does is it keeps the alveolar sac inflated when you blow out. So when you expire and you blow out, your lungs don't collapse on you because the alveolar sacs are fine. The virus infects those cells that make the surfactant. And what happens from there is now those cells, those 5% of those cells now in each sac, 5% in each sac, now do the bidding of the virus. And now they make more viruses and they don't make surfactant. So now the alveolar sac does not stay inflated and it actually gets filled with um, mucus and other things because there's something called the macrophage that comes in, destroy things. You let your immune system take over. And what the immune system then does is it sends over the macrophage through a reaction a non-specific immune reaction, and it goes and wipes out the good cells and some of the bad cells that are infected. And that's why you start hacking up some yellow stuff, green stuff sometimes, right? And you've gotten, we've all gotten sick and we see that mucus and we have some internal bleeding now. And what that then causes is a fever. So that's why you've got some individuals presenting with fevers. And also because there's internal bleeding, you may have individuals also with lower blood pressure. So it doesn't sound good. Now, what about the people who don't die from this, but got their lung pneumocyte 2 infected? They might lose up to 30% of their lung function. How's that for a change? You, get, you, don't, you don't die, you recover, you walk out of the hospital, but now you can't run up the hill like you used to. You can't sing a song like you used to. How's that for, for you know, try that on for size. How often is that happening? Well, look, we don't have enough data. We're still looking at the data. We have to look at all the people who got sick, the ones who get better and then who didn't die. And then we have to then do studies on 
what they are. Now, I don't do that anymore. I'm retired, as you know. I retired seven times in my life. And, <laughs> right, so I, I, I have knowledge and I do these projects and I do this charity because I want people to, who want to be saved, who don't want to get sick, have the option to absorb this knowledge and say, what if we didn't um, burden society? What would happen? Right. And we would have a better society. It would be everybody's benefit. Don't forget, there's people who love you out there. You know, your family members that don't want you to get sick. And also, if you get sick and you don't die, dying is one option. But if you don't die and you lose 30% of your lung function, life is probably going to suck pretty bad. You know, so you can't, if you were smoking a cigarette before, a pack a day, and you lose 30% lung function, you can't even enjoy those packs of cigarettes anymore, <laughs> right? So- Well, so, now you gotta yeah. quit, right? No, I completely yeah. understand, but yeah. now you're talking about enjoying life, right? And that's what I'm talking about. I'm a small business owner, and mm -hmm. I was telling my wife earlier, if you take away my business, which by the way, People's Capital Group is over 90% collections on a lot of its buildings, we're strong as ever, but as a small mm -hmm. business owner, Right, our flip our flip department is at a standstill right now. We we can't get permits. We can't sell houses. Uh, buyers' uh, mortgages are falling apart. Um, so you know, right now we're our flip our residential business is is slow, right? And that's the challenges we face as small business owners as times slow down right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure things will come back to life. But right now, as a small business owner, if you take away my economy and you take away my freedom and my ability to run my business the way I need to run it, the ability for consumers to do what they need to do to keep our economy moving. Um, maybe you could do that for one month or two months, but that is, my business is me. You can't hold me down. I don't see, you know, if I get up every morning, I get up to run my business and make it successful. And whoever or whatever is in my way, I'm going to get through. So, so let me ask you a very simple question, Aaron. Mm -hmm. What if your tenants got sick and now... They can't pay you because they're sick or they died, right? Or, you know, what might also happen is that what if you got sick and then you either got sick or died and now you can't help your investors because as a simple fact as, as, uh, as wearing gloves or, or putting a mask on, mask and gloves together should go together. It's the simple knowledge that wouldn't cost very much. Imagine if everybody did their part. How long would we have to wear masks and gloves? The more we do this, and I guarantee you this, is the more we do this properly, collectively as a community, as a village, the faster we will all be able to get back to normalcy. The longer we don't do this, the more the virus is able to draw one out of 52. And I want us to think about like a deck of cards. If I gave you the ace of spades and you draw the ace of spades and that, that means you get to mutate. Mm -hmm. And if you get 10 ace of spades all in a row, that means you get to mutate into lethality, means you have special killing powers. Wow. Well, we don't want you to draw that one out of 52, but if you have a million chances to do that, you're probably gonna draw the ace of spades multiple times. So the virus is in that condition. They're like playing this deck of cards with us. And the more people get infected, the more draws it gets to keep having more chances. So we wanna make sure because we're the United States of America. If anybody can pull this off, if anyone can invent a vaccine, that's the United States of America. If anyone can invent drugs that could help alleviate the problems, that's the United States of America. Mm -hmm. If we think of anybody who can, who can actually, everybody working collectively, 
because we have freedom of speech and freedom to fully reign, that's the United States of America. It's easy to control people under draconian methods if it wasn't the United States. But if the USA could actually prove and pull that off, you know what that would show the world? That freedom actually reigns. Freedom is possible and we actually are disciplined enough because we care about community enough, not because we're being forced, but because we want life to get back to normal, exactly for the purpose of what you're talking about, to make sure that you can continue to rent roll, you can continue to, to flip those homes, and you can be responsible to the investors. I bet you if you or Seth went down, that business that you have, all that investment might change. The, the yield might not be the same without you or Seth. Well, we do have life insurance, so there would be a big okay. lump sum payout. But, <laughs> right. you know, I, of course, Long and, term, we have, right? and we have disability insurance. So I, I'm not sure if that would kick in. It might depend. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're 100% correct. If one of us was taken out of the equation, um, and obviously life is, uh, you know, it meant to be lived and, and we want to be healthy. We want to live a full life and a long life. And, right. you know, and I also respect the fact that, you know, someone who's 33 like me, I, I hear lots of stories of people in their 30s getting in and getting a headache for three days or having fever symptoms. I, I know people also in their 50s and 60s who, who have, you know, gotten in and hardly noticed it. So it's crazy. You hear stories like that. And then we're working so hard to make these changes in our lives. But I agree with you. I think we're, you know, if anyone can get a cure to this or get a, a vaccine quickly, it's, it's American. I think we're working our, our butts off to get there. Do you have any updates in the scientific community or um, ideas or technologies as well? I know you were talking about like self-cleaning clothes. That's a cool idea also. Yeah, so most of my wealth has been in developing patents and technologies, and I read uh, certain types of books to get me to that uh, place of living, right? You know, it's one thing to be alive, but to really live and savor all the things about living is you look at technology and say, where there's a problem, and how can we use technology to solve that problem so that people, you know, billions of people in the world won't even know that the problem ever presented itself. And that's where, you know, that oath to creating top really valuable technologies in the health and wellness business, that's important. So I participated in that and I shared a little bit about smart materials because we need more scientists. Now, the unfortunate thing about scientists is they really need to be talking with people like you. Um, most scientists have a job and they don't make a lot of money uh, and they're working all their lives and they don't have any passive income. So unlike most scientists, I, I started reading books like this. So this is, um, this book is um, The Little Book of Common Sense Investing by John Ogle, right? And then I also started working with this book uh, uh, I introduced to everyone is Playing with Fire. And it's uh, called Financial Independence, Retire Early. Um, and then this book here, uh, your Money or Your Life. These are all good books, Your Money or Your Life here. All right. And then this last book is uh, by Tanya Hester. It's called Work Optional. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I highly recommend these books because they can change your, um, your entire thinking. So Your Money or Your Life is Vicki Robin. Um, and it's, it's nine steps to transform your relationship with money and achieving financial independence. So it's all about financial independence. Now, remember, I, because I know about H1N1, and that was actually the flu. You know, the flu comes from the pig and um, chicken pox. Why is it called chicken pox? Because chicken pox comes from the chicken. 
Uh, and the common cold, the rhinovirus, comes from the horse. And so, problem, wait, wait, the rhinovirus comes from the horse? That yeah. was a curveball. Yeah. So uh, when we, when we, um, when we, it doesn't come from the rhinoceros. So, so you know, it's the rhino. So, so here the thing is that we domesticate animals as Europeans, um, and we also domesticate them as Americans, uh, and we grow our food with animals and things like that. So uh, this all happened already, and the the genomes jump from one to another.